0: We praise thee, Lord for Thy great land, that we thy dwelling place may be. Thou livest, us we fill with thee. Thou in the sunest spreads my peace. Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee completed his comprehensive work called The Life Study of the Bible before going to be with the Lord in 1997. And we are pleased to bring you recorded excerpts from The Life Study of Colossians on today's broadcast. Now, let's join today's life study.
1: Nearly every believer in Christ loves to hear an eloquent speaker with a solid knowledge of the Bible deliver an inspiring and uplifting message. Christians often elevate this aspect of the ministry to the highest degree as they measure the usefulness of a servant of the Lord. Yet Colossians contains the following warning in chapter 2. Verse 4 says, This I say that no one may delude you with persuasive speech. And verse 8. Beware that no one carries you off as spoil through his philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the elements of the world, and not according to Christ. What is it to be deluded with persuasive speech and to be carried off according to the tradition of men? Ed Marks has joined us as we continue to explore how the Apostle Paul struggled to bring the believers in Colossae to experience the riches of Christ to the full. Ed, welcome back to the program.
2: Well, Chris, it's good to be back. And I think our listeners have realized that this book of Colossians is very rich in its revelation of Christ.
1: Ed, let's get right to uh, Witness Lee today. We've got a very good portion to begin with and then a, a kind of a special treat near the end of the program we'll talk about later.
3: In topology, the children of Israel enjoyed Christ in three stages. It is so clear, according to the picture, that with the children of Israel, there were three stages. The first stage was in Egypt, and the second in the wilderness, and the third in the good land. In Egypt, they enjoyed the Passover, and the Passover was not only for their redemption, but also for their strengthening. They got the strength by eating the uh, Passover lamb that they were able to uh, walk out of Egypt. By this you can see their exodus was mainly uh, supported by their eating of the uh, Passover lamb. Then they entered into the wilderness. In the wilderness they built The uh, tabernacle for God, and all the years they carried that testimony. They did this: building the tabernacle, carrying the tabernacle by what? By the support of the manna in the wilderness. This is the second stage. Then after this, they enter into the good land. In the good land, they enjoyed all the produce the rich produce of that good land, and these rich produce afforded them the uh, strength, the possibility to build up a testimony of God, that is the solid temple. And that temple is the very focus of God's purpose on this earth, that God could have a dwelling place among He's chosen people on this earth to express Himself. So you can see it is in the third stage that God's purpose was fulfilled.
1: Ed, I really like this view. This is a wonderful way to understand the Old Testament, isn't it?
2: It really is, Chris, and it is a really deep, intrinsic meaning here for helping us to enjoy and experience Christ in our daily life.
1: Most of the Old Testament after Genesis is related to these three stages, the enjoyment of the Passover, of course, when they were in Egypt, then the stage of the manna and the tabernacle, which came in the wilderness, and finally the stage of enjoying the good land and the riches in the good land that really had the result of bringing in the temple. It struck me that all three of these stages involve something about eating, but primarily the third stage was where God's purpose could be fulfilled. Give me your thoughts on this. I thought it was quite marvelous.
2: Yeah, Chris, this is very revealing. And I would like to emphasize, Chris, what you pointed out is that as Christians, this shows us that in every stage of our Christian life, as Christ grows in us, and as we grow up into Christ in all things, we grow by eating him as our spiritual food. Even in the physical realm. The way a child grows is by eating healthy food. Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, that Christ is our spiritual food. And then in John 6, if you look at all of John 6, especially verse 57, the Lord says, He who eats me, even he shall live because of me. And what the Lord was saying there is we need to eat him as our spiritual food. In the first stage of our spiritual life, we enjoy Christ as our Passover. And we have the cleansing of the blood. You know, they had to put the blood on the doorposts of their house and on the upper frame of their house. And then that saved them from God's condemnation and judgment. But inside the house, God commanded them to eat that Passover lamb. So when we received Christ as our Savior, that was really the first time that we ate Christ spiritually. He came into us as our spiritual food. We enjoyed the cleansing of his blood. But more importantly, he came into us as our spiritual supply to energize us, supply us, strengthen us, and motivate us to move out of Egypt to move out of Satan's world and Satan's kingdom through the Red Sea of baptism into the wilderness. Well, when we get into the wilderness, we enter into another stage of eating. And what the children of Israel did for 40 years, they had a unique diet, and that diet was manna. And again, you know, I mentioned John 6. In John 6, the Lord says that, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. He is the reality of that manna they enjoyed in the wilderness for 40 years. And what the Lord's burden was with them in the wilderness and with us is he wants to reconstitute us with Christ. Although we've come out of the world and out of Egypt, which signifies the world, There are elements of the world in us, elements of Satan's kingdom in us. How can that element be purged out of us? It's by eating Christ as our manna, as the bread of life every day. But, Chris, that's not enough. The more we grow in Christ, eventually he wants to bring us into the good land where we enjoy all the riches of Christ in all kinds of varieties as different kinds of foods and minerals. And it's by being constituted with Christ and all his unsearchable riches, typified by the good land, that we get built up to be his spiritual temple, which is the living body of Christ. And this is what accomplishes his purpose
1: I wish we had more time on this topic. We touch it from time to time, and there's always something there. Um, this matter of eating cannot be overemphasized regardless of what stage we're in. All three stages are necessary, important, enjoyable, wonderful, and all according to God's plan. Yet certainly when we get to this third stage, something for God's purpose emerges, and uh, that's a point I'd like to come back to it at a later date.
2: Right, exactly, and the point of eating is that eventually we enjoy Christ with all his riches, and we're built up to be his spiritual house, which is typified by the temple in the good land.
1: Ed, Witnessly is going to carry these uh, three types, these three stages, into the New Testament. Let's join him for that.
3: In the first Corinthians, Paul dealt with the Corinthians, not according to the third stage, but according to the first two stages. Because in First Corinthians chapter five, Paul says, Our pass over Christ. You see? Paul says this. That indicates that the Corinthians by that time were still in the first stage. And then in First Corinthians chapter ten Paul says the ate the same kind of spiritual food that was manna, and they drank the water out of the rock that followed them. You see, by this, we can also see that Paul considered the Corinthians as in the second stage of the enjoyment of Christ. In First Corinthians, there was no hint that the enjoyment of Christ in the third stage was mentioned. It is here in the book of Colossians. You have the strong hint that Paul considered that the Colossians were in the third stage of the enjoyment of Christ. In the uh, Corinthians, the church life was uh, that of the tabernacle, a kind of floating church life without a solid foundation. About the church life in these four books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. In these four books, the church life is that of the temple. It's no more floating. It has been fully settled with a solid foundation. The church I have here delayed in Colossians and Ephesians is not of the enjoyment of Christ at the Passover, even not as the enjoyment of Christ as manna. But here it shows us enjoyment of Christ is the one in the good land. A portion of the saints some of the churches may be still in the first and second stage as the church in Corinth. Uh, some of the churches may be in the third stage enjoying Christ at Goodland. Uh, in the third stage as uh, the churches in Ephesus and uh, Colossae.
1: Ed, if we get into the view of the Bible that he's presenting here, we can see a real progression from the situation that existed in the church in Corinth uh, to what the Apostle found in some of the other churches like Colossae and Ephesus. How about today, uh, Do these stages still serve as a useful measure of where we may be at in our experience?
2: Yes, Chris, they really do. I feel this is very enlightening. You know, in 1 Corinthians, like Brother Lee pointed out, you have a mention in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, around verse 7 and 8, where he talks about how we need to enjoy Christ as our Passover. Then if you go to chapter 10, verse 3, he talks about enjoying Christ as our spiritual food. So you have the Passover in Egypt mentioned in 1 Corinthians, and you have the manna in the wilderness mentioned in 1 Corinthians, but there's no hint of enjoying Christ as the riches of the good land in 1 Corinthians. Where you see, really, the enjoyment of Christ as the reality of the good land with all its riches in particular is in the book of Colossians because Colossians tells us that in chapter 1 verse 12 that Christ is the portion of the saints. He's our allotted portion which refers to the allotment of the good land to the children of Israel. Also Colossians 2 6 tells us that we need to walk in Christ. This shows us that he's our land for us to live move and have our being in. But, Chris, just focus on this point that you mentioned related to our experience. 1 Corinthians also tells us, if you look in chapter 2, beginning with verse 14 through chapter 3, verse 1, that there are three kinds of believers. There are fleshly believers, there are soulish believers, and there are spiritual believers. Well, if we're still in the stage of enjoying Christ as our Passover, we're still in Egypt. That's where you enjoy Christ as Passover. And Egypt signifies the flesh. Well, we can have Christ, we can be saved. But what predominates our being and our daily living? Do we live according to the flesh? Do we live by the flesh? We don't want to be fleshly Christians like the Corinthians. Also, Paul tells the Corinthians that many of them were soulish. This means they were dominated by their mind mostly. You know, the wilderness was a time of wandering, and we can testify when we spend our time in our mind that our mind is the predominant part of our being. We are just in a wandering wilderness, Well, Paul said there's a third kind of believer, and that is a spiritual man or a spiritual believer. This is a believer who is dominated and governed and directed by Christ as the Spirit in his spirit. He is a spiritual man. He exercises his spirit to contact Christ, to enjoy Christ as all the riches of the good land. Chris, we need to aspire to be spiritual men.
1: Ed, we've come to the third section. Uh, We promised the listeners uh, a bit of a treat in this portion at the beginning of the program. Let me pick up your point here. It was to the saints in Colossae, in their somewhat advanced condition, uh, that Paul spoke the warning we opened the program with. Of course, these were believers that he must have considered to be in the third stage for the reasons you just pointed out. Let me repeat the warning a little bit here. It plays into this last section. This I say that no one may delude you with persuasive speech. Beware that no one carries you off as spoil. This warning, Ed, has a direct application to us as well. We're going to get a 20th century lesson on this very point from Witness Lee. He will relate in this section coming up a story uh, of some of the early training that Watchman Nee received. At the hands of a dear sister in the Lord named M. E. Barber. Ed give us just a little background because it's important our listeners understand who Emmy Barber was to watch Money.
2: Ah, uh, yes, Chris. Emmy Barber was a dear and priceless sister in the Lord. She was an Anglican missionary who went to China in the early nineteen hundreds. Eventually, she decided, you know, we can't get into a lot of detail here, but she decided to go on her own to China without any substantial support from any group, you know, no regular support. She lived by faith. And, Chris, it's through this sister that Brother Watchman Nee received the foundation of his entire spiritual life. So uh, this will show you how important she was in the Lord's move in China. And I think the story that Brother Lee tells about her will be very uh, nourishing and helpful to our listeners. Let's join Witness Lee for that.
3: Now, the Colossians, you may consider that they were in the good land, yet they were deluded, they were deceived, and they were carried off. So, after that much talk from chapter 1, To the beginning of chapter 2, Paul warned the Colossians, saying that no one may delude you. So, dear ones, you must get into the revelation unveiled to us in chapters 1 and 2. If you would get into the all-inclusive Christ, no one could come to you with something else to uh, delude you. To deceive you. This I say that no one may delude you with persuasive speech. Every deceiver is a good speaker. Brother Lee, he uh, used to tell me, not only once, maybe three or four times, that when he was young, he was very uh, seeking after the Lord. And he met Sister uh, Amy Barber. Amy Baba was very old by that time, about 60, and Brother Nhi nee was under 20. And this young man was there all the time, uh, stayed with uh, Amy Baba. And uh, their city was not a small city, the capital of Fuchan, Fuchang. A lot of uh, preachers invited there, you know. Uh, some Western uh, missionaries, uh, Chinese preachers, the eloquent ones, always have been invited to speak there. Every time when there was a good speaker speaking in the town, Miss Barber always brought Brother Nee to listen. And sometimes whenever Brother Nee heard a good speaker coming, he would go to Miss Barber, ah, Another good speaker coming. Would you go with me? He would bring Miss Barber to go with him. But he told me. Every time he listened to a good speaker, he was attracted. Mainly by what? By the eloquence. By the good points. By good language. Good language always, brotherly, nee, got attracted. Brotherly nee always said, My, this one's wonderful. Every time after he expressed his admiration at all these good speakers, Miss Barber slowly, slowly pointed out to him good speech, eloquent, full of knowledge, good language, good points, but no life. No life. And Bradley told me out of five times, every time he lost the case. And he eventually told me, my, a marvelous, excellent preacher in China came and he gave marvelous, very prevailing message. Brother nee, while he was listening, Bradney said, tonight, Amy Barber, you sure will lose your case to me. I'll get you. I'll get you. Then after the meeting, while they were walking back, Brothers nee boasted of that speech. He said, Miss Barber, how about tonight? Wonderful. Barber said, Wonderful and hot. Brother said, wonderful in this, wonderful in that. And then she said, there's nothing. Why? No life. No reality. Then Brother Lee told me, even that time, he lost the case. If all of us could see some real vision, concerning the all-inclusive Christ from the first two chapters of this book. Nothing could delude us. No one could deceive us with any kind of thing other than Christ, regardless how high, how good, how spiritual, how scriptural. That is not Christ.
1: Oh, Ed, this is a marvelous story. It's not only interesting, but it illustrates a point that is very profound. We don't have enough time to do this justice, Ed, but uh, talk about this comparison between eloquence, knowledge, and the genuine ministry of life.
2: Chris, I think this is what I appreciate about Watchman Nee and Brother Lee's ministry the most is the emphasis on enjoying and experiencing Christ as life and being constituted with Christ. There's a big difference between having a lot of knowledge and gift versus the genuine, direct, personal experience and enjoyment of Christ so that we can be constituted with Christ and minister Christ as life into people. Chris, this is what counts. I was just considering in Acts 4.13, you know, they were fishermen and they were brought before the Sanhedrin. They looked at their boldness and it says they perceived that they were uneducated men and laymen, but they marveled. And they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. In other words, it wasn't their education. It wasn't their gift. It was the fact that they had direct personal contact with this living, wonderful person named Jesus. That constituted them with Christ, and they ministered Christ as life into people. This is what builds up the body of Christ, which is to build up the temple as God's spiritual house. So this is what the church desperately needs today. Ed, we need to cultivate this sense of life that we would esteem those
1: who minister life and Christ rather than just those who can entertain and keep us interested, don't we?
2: Yes, Chris. And you know, we love the Bible. Whenever we speak, should be from the Bible, but we just don't minister the letter of the Bible. Like Second Corinthians three six, Paul says, "We're not ministers of the letter." Because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So whenever we minister the Word, we have to minister this living person of Christ as the Spirit into people so they could be constituted with Christ and the body can be built up.
1: Of course, Ed, many genuine ministers of life may have some measure of gift, some eloquence, but the point that we're making, I hope we were able to make today for our listeners, is the the ability to discern between the two and to really cherish the ministry of life
2: exactly Chris thank the Lord for the gifts he's given to the body and the gifts he's given each one of us as members of the body but what really counts is that we get constituted with Christ and fill with Christ so that he can flow out of us through who we are as members in his body
1: Ed it's nice to have you back in the studio come back again very soon
2: yeah I hope to be back soon Chris it was a real privilege to be here with you today
1: it was a privilege and an enjoyment thank you Okay, we are out of time. Just enough time, I'll leave you our toll-free number and invite you to call us. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Join us again tomorrow as we continue this marvelous life study from the book of Colossians. For Ed Marks today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening.
0: In Colossians, Paul uses a number of special terms for Christ. The portion of the saints, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians reveals that Christ is profound and all-inclusive. The all-inclusive Christ transcends our understanding. Our need is to be infused, saturated, and permeated with Him until, in our experience, Christ is everything to us, our food, our drink, Our feasts, our holy days, our Sabbath, our new moon, our everything. We must not allow anything to replace Christ or to be a substitute for Him. The printed Life Study of Colossians is available in a three-volume set with a total of 65 messages. To order, call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That number again is 1-888-543-3788.